Roll us in. Let's get this thunder started. Hello. You're listening to Have You Met John? He's My Dad, where I, left-leaning individual Matt, talk to my dad. Uh, right-wing extremist, John. Ah, uh-huh. ha <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, well, today we are talking about capitalism. Oh, and I should probably mention that I'm not actually, I don't consider myself a right-wing extremist, but if you watch any of the the uh, legacy media, uh, they would most definitely consider me to be a right-wing extremist. So. Righteous. And I'm one of those people who thinks that everybody should live their lives and not try to hold other people's heads underwater, which would, would make me a left-wing extremist. Um, not really. That, that phrase is... It's kind of like going to a, a palm reader or a psychic. That could apply to everyone. So we just mean different things by it. Sure. So um, today's topic is capitalism versus communism or socialism or, you know, related uh, re- related economic ideas. It's it gets complicated. So you yeah you've got capitalism, you got communism, you've got the general category of authoritarianism, um, socialism, fascism. So uh, yeah, which is just a flavor of. I'm not sure if it has to be associated with socialism or if it's just uh, an, a form of authoritarianism that has been previously associated with socialism, but. Anyway, yes, there's a lot of a lot of flavors. Okay, um, I was thinking it might be a good idea, good idea here, since since right leaning and left leaning individuals often use different definitions for almost everything, and it makes it impossible for them to converse. I thought it might be a good idea for you to go right ahead and tell me what your definition of capitalism is. Oh, you want me to lead? Yeah, bring it on. Okay, uh, capitalism is the most spectacular system that has ever been known to man and is likely to ever be known to man. Here is the thing. Uh, it gives individuals the liberty to do what they can to uh, meet a need in society or a perceived need and benefit from it. So if you think about the world, think about you know, the opposite side. Think about a government that owned everything, controls everything, and makes sure that everything gets where it needs to be. From the two by four at the lumber yard to the uh, strawberries at the grocery store to the medicines at the pharmacy, everything, right? That is so enormously complicated that... Uh, for someone to be in charge of that and to control how much are we going to produce? Where are we going to get it? How much are we going to charge? How are we going to make sure not to run out? Some of these things are life and death things. And yet, um, in capitalism, if there's a way to make money at it, somebody will do it. And so that is the thing. We don't have to, as a government, we don't have to force someone to go grow some food, someone goes out and voluntarily grows food and then they provide it to the marketplace. 
someone goes out and voluntarily makes lumber, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, voluntarily provides us with lumber and medicine and groceries, everything. Um, and the arrogance that the government thinks it's going to take over management of all of that is incredible. So capitalism is the idea that you're going to invest capital in uh, with the idea or the the plan that you're going to get a return on that investment and create wealth. You're going to get richer. And um, it does have its its faults. It needs a, a marketplace that functions. It needs the market police. It needs the government to make sure that contracts are honored to make sure that things are done fairly and above board. Uh, there are all kinds of bastardizations of capitalism that, uh, that make it um, corrupt. Um, however, there is no better system and there will never be a better system. So, right. capitalism. And now why don't you go ahead, turn around and define the enemy, define communism for me. Uh, communism is where the government owns everything. The government doles out um, from each according to his ability and to each according to his need. Um, now, it well, it's supposed to do that. Now, in reality, some of the pigs are more equal than others. And, um, and so the party leaders live in wealth uh, whereas everyone else that's not politically connected gets what the party thinks they need. Communism requires that there be no God, no supernatural God, because communism, communism itself, in order to have any chance of working, has to be the religion. You have to be thoroughly committed to um, doing everything you can for the state because people will not naturally work extra hard for the benefit of other people and not for themselves. And so it has to be a religion. You have to try to get a religious fervor among the adherents and um, it doesn't work. It's not, it doesn't work, it hasn't worked, it's never gonna work. Communism works great for ants because ants know their place. They know what they're for. Ants do what needs to be done. And if they don't do what needs to be done, I, I was going to look up what ants do to other ants that aren't functioning as a cog in the wheel, but uh, I didn't get around to it. Uh, I'm guessing that they kill them. And um, Gilligan's Island can work as communism because you know each other. You are personally, intimately familiar with each other. Families can work as communism because you love each other. But if the, the bigger your group of people gets, the less effective uh, a communist system is going to be. And uh, when it becomes nation-sized, um, it doesn't work at all. All right. And now, now what I'd like to do is offer you my definitions of both of those economic systems. Okay. Capitalism, as I have come to understand it, is the worship of the concept of ownership and money. A capitalist is someone who just happens to have a 
whole bunch of money and uses that money to get hardworking people to do whatever they want or to do to do the work that the capitalist is trying to get them to do. So whoever owns an entity that is responsible for doing business pays a hopefully in their eyes a paltry sum to people to produce a surplus value for that company. So when you said in regard to communism that people aren't ants and they don't like to do work for other people it's interesting because that's how a lot of people feel about capitalism right now after rent and insurance and all of the expenses of everyday life have been deducted people are left with zero dollars and they can't do anything but work to survive so capitalism is very good at at a, a very select group of things. It's good at making a ton of money for people who have already got a ton of money. And it is very good at things like at producing things like slave owners and scam artists. Because who is more valuable to a society? Is it somebody who does a decent day's work? Is it somebody who, like a carpenter, for example, who makes a nice chair? Or is it somebody that stands in the way of people getting necessary medicine to survive and upcharges every time it's possible for them to do that? Capitalism tells us that the latter is more valuable to society. And not only that, but in the, in the example of a carpenter, uh, you would be better off learning how to sh sell cheap bullshit that nobody needs or wants than you would to make to make a decent product for a decent price i like to i like to imagine for example just like the simple chair maker guy wants to make chairs he wants to make nice comfy chairs for people to sit in uh, he does that his entire life and he makes a decent amount of money but because he's not interested in lowering the quality of the product or lowering the wages of the people that he has working for him or doing anything to cheapen the process of making these chairs and expand the surplus value that his business creates he eventually goes out of business and is replaced by somebody who will ship you a styrofoam cube that says chair on it in two hours now communism Whatever it was intended to be in the first place, it has now become the boogeyman for anything that challenges the idea that capitalism is the best system that humans ever created. If somebody said, I'm a communist, now people immediately jump and they go, well, then you're a bad person. That's just it. I don't know what you stand for. I don't know what you believe in. You're just a bad person because you're a communist. And then if you said, well, I believe that instead of celebrating some entrepreneur's ability to siphon money out of a bunch of other wealthy people in order to uh, just hang on to money as long as he can and just create basically a nothing business, instead of just handing money to people that do that or to idolize people that just are somehow good at scrounging up wealth 
maybe we value an honest day's work. If you, if you had somebody say that, a lot of people would say, I agree with that. Unfortunately, that is what communism is to a lot of people. Communism, uh, if you're in 10th grade, communism seems very, very appealing. Because, of course, why wouldn't you just want everyone to have what they need? The problem is human beings. So if everybody worked as hard as they could doing what they're best at, we could all be so happy and well off. They won't. People will not do that. And the people in charge actually can't be trusted to administer the system, ever. They will never be able to be trusted. So even if the people were willing to work, the idea that the government government would equitably distribute the fruits of those labors um, is a fantasy. So what, what we're arguing between here, what you're arguing between is an actual capitalist system that does function and a fantasy communist system that does not. Um, if you want to guarantee the maximum amount of human misery, uh, then communism is the way you want to go. I that is wrong what about communism. That. I I know you think I'm wrong, but you are mistaken. Communism, socialism, ultimately leading into communism, um, will lead to everyone being virtually everyone, the vast majority of people being less well off than they are under capitalism. Now. Do we have excesses in capitalism that have been ignored? And uh, have we not policed the marketplace? Yes. We have serious antitrust issues going on right now. That is a natural and progression of how capitalism moves along. It's fascinating to me that you mentioned the 10th grade thing, because in 10th grade, they don't teach you that communism is nice. They teach you that communism is one of the greatest evils that ever came about. They talk I, about... I didn't say that they taught you that. I said that 10th grade thinkers who have no life experience, I was once in 10th grade, I had those discussions. We think about it, we talk about it, and it seems like a very positive, beneficial type system. Now, when you know humans a little bit better, you will easily understand that it won't work. Uh, I think that statement is heavily misguided and i'll tell you why because you're right people don't want to work for free and that's what you're doing if you go to your job every day or your two jobs or your three jobs that americans are currently working if you go to those jobs and you give every ounce of your effort and your return is the exact amount that it requires you to pay your bills how is that yeah. not working for free? Um, we've lost patience. Young people, I would say, have less patience than people in the past did. Um, They're also not paid idea, as much. They're also not paid mm, as much, and life is more expensive. There's some truth to that. But um, the thing is... Entry-level jobs are not the job that you're supposed to stay in for the rest of your life. 
you're supposed to gain experience. Now, what you will find, you're not wrong that the company is going to pay you as little as they can. That is factual. All, I can't say every, when I say every company, what I mean is the vast majority of companies on average, companies will try to pay their workers as little as they can get away with. Now, those with a little bit of wisdom will recognize that they don't want to, to lose their good employees. And so they will try to, to not quite pay people as little as they can get away with. But the reality is, most likely, if you work for a company, in order to actually move up, you know, in order to make more, in order to get promoted, you're going to have to change jobs multiple times. Because once you're at a company, they just assume, oh, inertia is going to keep you here, and we're just going to keep paying you whatever we're paying you. So yeah, if you've made the mistake of working for a company, expecting them to advance you according to your abilities, that, that's a mistake. They're not going to do it, most likely. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to jump. And sometimes people jump to another company and then jump right back to the company they were at with a huge pay increase and a huge increase in responsibilities. That's what it takes. Because that, that proves to the company what your market value is. Some companies require you to show them a job offer from another company before they'll give you a raise or a promotion or something. Mm-hmm. I think that's stupid. I think it's foolish. It's not wise, but that's what they do. And that's in lieu of good management, right? A good manager knows how hard their worker works and how good a job they do or how good the manager does and and uh, proactively sets out to make sure that you stay. But uh, there's not that many good managers out there. Management is a real skill and, uh, and it's, it's, it's somewhat rare. So the reality is in this system, what you have to do is you have to have a job, gain some experience, learn what you can learn. And if they're not advancing you, giving you raises and advancing you in position as quickly as you think they should be, then you got to look for a different job somewhere else. Right. And so this, this kind of goes to one of my personal complaints with the system of capitalism is that it does it it does nothing for somebody who wants to get paid a decent amount to do an honest day's work instead of doing that instead of learning a skill well enough that you're going to do that job for 30 years you would be better off getting good at talking your way into higher paying positions always have resumes out always have a foot out the door of whatever company you're trying to join companies Pretend to value loyalty, but if you can get a higher paying job over here, go over there. If you can get better benefits going over here, go over there. And then just constantly flip and flip and flip and flip until you have the most income that you can possibly get doing God knows what. It doesn't have to be anything that you're good at. You just have to hold on to the job as long as they're willing to pay you. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. It's It's a very cynical take on the world. It's not quite that bad, but it's pretty close. Um, however, the the idea there are jobs where you can just go and do your job, right? There are some areas where that is and just keep doing that job forever. Teacher is one. Truck driver is one. There are jobs like that. Uh, the trades, um, whether it's electrician, plumber, carpenter, 
you know, now they move up a little bit. You know, you go from apprentice to to journeyman to master and all that. Uh, teachers, for the most part, stay teachers. Truck drivers stay truck drivers unless they want to go into some kind of management. Uh, truck drivers right now, starting truck drivers for Walmart, they just announced this yesterday, are uh, being paid about $100,000. So there's money to be made. It's just a question of whether people want to make it and whether they're capable of doing it. Um, but yeah, if you just go to any random company and take a job that you can, you know, entry level job that you can get with no experience, if you think you're just going to work there and that they're going to recognize in you uh, all the potential that you have, no, that's not how it works. That's not how it's ever worked. No, because you know, because a company is going to try to squeeze every last ounce of profit out of the out of somebody that they can. A company's yeah, deal with it. A company's that's ideal the, employee is a slave. <laughs> that seems a little over the top. the The point is, companies don't have any values. They don't have any beliefs. Don't have any morals. They don't have any emotions they don't have any anything a company's not a person and yet so we treat them like a person in the eyes of the law we give uh, them sometimes we give them and a I, vote i i think that there are things that you already have heard me say that i don't think companies should be able to donate to political campaigns or to uh charity that's a nice I idea that, but the companies have all the money and so when the vote comes up to decide whether or not companies should be allowed to donate to political causes or anything like that the money is going to push propaganda in front of people's faces that says it is absolutely a good idea to let companies decide things for you and to let companies donate to political causes. And it's the well, filthy may- communists that want to keep companies from having uh, a political say. Um, well, right now, the the biggest and most active companies in our political system are are acting on the behalf of the far left of American politics. So I'm not quite sure how that holds together you're talking with what about, you just said. You're talking about the Democrats? I'm talking about the far left edge of the Democrats. The Progressive Caucus, the Squad, they have an out, a way outsized uh, influence over American, the, the body politic right now. Uh, and that influence is coming from Google, um, Twitter, Apple, Disney, um, you know, mega corporations. The, the corporations, for whatever reason, they don't actually believe in anything, but for whatever reason, they've decided that it's in their best interest to fund the extreme left in this country. And they're doing it. So, um, personally, I think that a publicly traded corporation that's owned by shareholders uh, should not be donating money to political causes, should not be um, participating in the political system, but that money, when it's paid out to shareholders, then, of course, the humans that own it would then be free to do whatever they want with it. I don't think the First Amendment covers companies. I think it covers humans. So um, we can agree on that, certainly. Okay. So you know, there's it's funny things tend to make circles, but um, in any event, here's the thing: 
you are you're you have a system that's up and running and you've lived in it your entire life and so you can see some of its shortcomings what you're proposing is a system that is a disaster for humanity okay um and you can't see its shortcomings i mean unless you believe that the soviet experiment uh, was a fair uh, test which you may or may not believe but um i don't okay anyway here's the thing if if i go to work and i work the same job as the guy next to me and the two of us are going to make the same amount of money whether i do a good job or a bad job there is no promotion there is no raise there is no overtime there's i just get what i need he gets what he needs and that's it then there's no way i'm going to do the minimum in my state uh, assigned job that's that's humanity that's the way it is um it's not that's far it's off the be. description of how capitalism works right now. It isn't a worker's best interest to do the absolute minimum amount of work that they do and get paid as much as possible. That means taking long bathroom breaks if you can do it without getting caught. That means clocking in on time despite not being ready to work. That means any number of methods of committing time theft. And when you're talking about poorly managed giant companies... Um, you'll see a lot of that. Yeah. And so you'd prefer for, you'd prefer a company where, let's say, employees are standing in a laser-lined motion detector box of six feet and are instantly terminated if they leave that box too many times. No. What I'd prefer is a company that's well-run, well-managed, where the manager knows what people do and what they don't do. And so they know who deserves a raise, and who should get a promotion. That's what I prefer. The, the nameless, faceless, giant corporation thing, um, no, it's dehumanizing. I don't like it. Oh, absolutely. Amazon, Amazon does that like crazy with their warehouse workers and the peeing in a jar while you're making deliveries and you know all that stuff. That is, uh, that so, is actually what I was describing with the laser line boxes. That is something that Amazon has done. But okay. good management in the context of modern day capitalism is not having a manager that properly assesses people's good deeds or misdeeds or whatever or keeps them working diligently. Good management is a system where you can control the most amount of people with the least amount of capital. No, I understand. That's how, I mean, in, in uh, teaching in schools, you know, in high schools and in college, uh, the person who manages you as a teacher or a professor, they don't know jack shit about what you do. So all of the management is, uh, is done from a distance. Uh, in, in schools, in high schools, it doesn't matter how good you are. As long as you're good enough not to get fired until you have tenure, um, you get paid the same as anyone else who has the same level of education and has worked there as long as you have. doesn't matter what kind of teacher you are. doesn't matter um, you know, whether you teach social studies or gym or physics. So um, that's a little, that's a little uh, uh, kind of uh, speck of communism in our capitalist system. But um, what we will find over time, companies that dehumanize their workers will find it more difficult to get good workers. 
They will find it more difficult to keep good workers and they will suffer in the marketplace. Yeah, it's, it takes some patience to see it, but what's important is that the workers themselves, the human beings that are being subjected to this kind of treatment, need to vote with their feet and not stay working in a situation that is dehumanizing and where you're not recognized for your efforts and rewarded for them. That's, what it, that's the price of being a free person. You have to act. You have to act and advocate for yourself and act in your own self-interest. So yeah, it's not, there is no automatic. Once you get out of school, uh, you will not automatically be placed somewhere based on your test scores or your ability. I know it's, it'd be lovely if they could just give you a test and say, why well, you should be the, the director of this division over here, the test says, right? That's, uh, that doesn't exist. I doubt it will ever exist. It's, there was a movie called The Last Starfighter. Some kid played a video game and they said, oh, you're going to be our pilot, right? right. It's so It's so nice that it makes it so easy that you get where you're supposed to be. But the reality is different than that. You have to actually self-advocate and you have to act when the situation warrants it. And it's a pain for those of us who hate trying to find a job. It is a pain, but the alternative is so much worse. And that's where I think uh, pro the pro-capitalism crowd has a remarkable lack of imagination. You thinking of all of the work that is currently being done, being evenly distributed among everyone. Most of the work that is done in this country is totally unnecessary. No, we don't disagree again. There's plenty of unnecessary crap if, that, that goes on. Right. And if the necessary work was the only work that was getting done and it was evenly distributed amongst everyone, people could work much shorter hours. People wouldn't have to drive through a city that's littered with Billboards for boner pills. Well, if uh, if you decided you wanted humanity to stop advancing, you could do that. We could retire. Now, here's, humanity here's, could retire. Here's where you're wrong. On our current trajectory, humanity will eventually price itself out of existence. If we can automate all, all sorts of jobs, if we automate them, there will be no need for human workers. Oh, no. You've Now you've correctly identified... The, the next big crisis, right? When, when the agricultural revolution came along and we got farm machinery and then uh, it became uh, financially uh, problematic to run a small farm, but uh, the economies of scale made running a large farm more uh, uh, possible. A whole bunch of people got squeezed out of farming. I mean, that's still going on. Uh, and when uh, you know the assembly line and automation came along, then the craftsmen got pushed out, and it it uh, you know the workers became less skilled. They they didn't have to be masters of their craft to assemble a car. And um, and the next one is this automation thing with robots. And what are people going to do? Well, I don't have the answer to that. I, I can tell society you, if doesn't we, have the answer to that. If we don't come up with a way 
for the surplus value of automated companies and services and all of these things, if we don't come up with a way for that surplus value to give a single solitary fuck about human life, then we will be, we will have created a perfect system that prices us out of existence. Um, not quite sure I followed that. Um, companies aren't going to care about anything ever. Right. Companies, so... Not without that, force. That's a, go, no, they, they're never going to care. They don't care. There are companies uh, not, that do they're care. They're not humans. Mm, no. There are people that care. They may own those companies, but uh, companies don't care. Companies are not sentient creatures. Especially when companies, they are privately owned super mega profit winners whose actions are dictated by investors. Okay, what we're dealing with is a constant struggle. Human beings want to take pebbles and make them into a pile. And then if another human comes along and finds a pile of pebbles, they want to smooth them out. Um, we, we have reached a point where the mega corporations um, have more value, more revenue um, than many countries, more influence, more power than many governments. And that's a problem. Oh, it's a huge I've already, problem. I've already mentioned. So yeah, we've we've made these uh, big piles of pebbles, and the the government, if it's going to save us from uh, from tyranny, is going to have to smooth them out. That means an antitrust action that uh, that breaks them up. Never going to happen. So it mm, never say never. Um, it's happened before. I mean, we've we've been through this before. Um, what instance and are you referring to specifically? The, the do you remember the trust busters and the I don't know was it the railroads that they uh, broke up? They broke up AT and T at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens, and we're there. I mean, we are. Google needs to be broken up, among others. So, you go through periods of consolidation, followed by. You know, you make the you make the pile of pebbles and then you smooth it out. Walmart came into the marketplace and and did humanity a great service. You know, it made uh, low cost products available so that they were more affordable for everyone virtually. In the process, all the competitors got uh, put out of business. Right, and Walmart is now enormous and has market power. You know they can they can command their suppliers. Here's what we will pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon provides an enormously convenient means of people getting stuff. It's it's a step beyond Walmart. Now you don't have to leave your home. You get on your computer and they will send you virtually anything that exists. Um, and you know at reasonable prices for the most part and free shipping a lot of the time. So. Uh, and they've done the next level of wiping out the competition, and now they can do whatever they want. So, at some point, you get too big, and you got to be reined in. We're there. And so, Amazon yeah, has an unprecedented ability to knock over not only competitors but challenges to their uh, goal of expansion and imperialism. They have they have no limits that they're. 
intending yeah. to stop and at. If if you were to if you were to take their growth graph and extrapolate it into the future, they would they would own the world. Well, those those straight line extrapolations don't ever actually work out that way. Right. Um, things change. I remember when I was a kid in the '80s, Japan was just dominating us in manufacturing and cars. Their quality was better. They were selling a you know good cars with good quality and gas mileage. They they had a kind of a command economy where somebody at the top told them, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to dominate the transistor radio market. We're going to dominate the 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 auto market. We're going to go for good mileage, you know, cars, smaller cars, and we're going to have high quality." And they did. And at one point, the downtown Tokyo was the most expensive real estate in the world. And then they crashed. So I'm not intimately familiar with what their what the issues were i know that the real estate markets uh, values in tokyo i still I, th- I think still haven't recovered to this day mm-hmm. and um and what happens is if you've got centrally planned economic economies where they say here's what we're going to produce here's what we're going to be the best at when you're right you win you know because our it, the contrast is our economy. We don't have a central planner saying, here's what you're going to manufacture. Here's what you're going to research. Here's what you're going to to produce. Um, we have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people making decisions about what direction their company's going to go. What are we going to invest in? What are we going to do research on? What are we going to try to produce in the future, right? Planning ahead. Some of them are going to be horribly wrong and they're going to go bankrupt. Some of them will be right, and they're going to get rich. But when you have a government that's directing that activity, um, then when they're right, they win big. And when they're wrong, the whole damn country crashes. Mm. And that's what happened in Japan. And that's what's going to happen to China. Um, By having um, so many different kind of points of view, we are guaranteed to have somebody, almost guaranteed, to have somebody that is going to get it right. And we're gonna have a lot of people get it wrong. And that's the risk versus the reward. For the investor, for somebody who just works for wages, saves a little bit, invested in the stock market, you invested in a company and you're hoping that they're the ones that got it right. And that's that's how it works. Well, Jeff Bezos got it right up to this point. Um, but yeah, once you have a company that's so enormous that you can tell governments what to do, that's a problem. That's a problem for freedom. It is. So, but it is also a natural outcome of this stage of capitalism. Well, I as I say, it's a it's a cycle. It comes and goes. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen again. And you have to step up with your laws. You have to intervene and you have to fix it. And we haven't done it yet, but there's a there's a rising sentiment, bipartisan sentiment actually to uh, to do just that so i am reasonably confident that that is going to happen all right let's stop here and take a quick restroom break have fluid intake if we need it and uh we'll be right back all right all right sounds good all right i'm ready to come back all right, that was our hold music. So, 
Um, here's what capitalism offers that these other more authoritarian systems do not. Freedom and hope. Um, in a capitalist system, if you choose to maximize your ability, whatever it is God has granted you and capability, if you choose to follow a path of frugality in your expenses and aggressiveness in your work habits, um, you can uh, assemble a fortune and become wealthy in one lifetime. You can retire, what, what we used to call a millionaire, um, I don't know, that would probably be a multi-millionaire now. Um, you can do it. When I say you, I mean humans. Um, and when we say, well, what humans could do that? Well, the, the book, The Millionaire Next Door, used a case study of a janitor who always drove a uh, relatively inexpensive car um, that was not brand new and didn't spend a lot of money, saved it, saved it, saved it, invested it. And when it was time for him to retire, he was a millionaire. So janitor is a job that uh, pretty much is accessible to anyone, well, almost anyone. And so literally anyone can become wealthy in this system. Now, the choices that people make are often not the choices that will lead to that path. If you choose to run credit card debt, that's not going to happen for you. If you choose to live in an expensive house or drive an expensive car, that's not going to happen for you. But it is possible to do. And so, you know, a person might look at this and say, well, why don't we make it uh, take away some of these bad choices that people could make? take away the credit card possibilities with you know the 23% interest rates and whatnot that's an appealing sounding thing to do and yet you're either committed to freedom or you're not so my side is all about freedom where people are free to make choices they're free to make correct wise decisions and they're free to make incorrect, unwise, even stupid decisions. And, um, you know, some of those decisions are pretty stupid. Um, now, another angle on it is, the, the, again, the hope you can become personally wealthy if you live in a place where that is allowed. But, um, well, side note. Um, accessibility to the equity markets is is at an all-time high so when I was a kid this was just starting in the past you know from pre-1970 generally ownership of stocks you know being in the stock market that was not a middle-class kind of thing that people did it was for rich people middle-class people had their money in the bank and the bank pays whatever it wants to pay right it's very low interest rates compared to what the cost of funds are for them. So you're not really going to get wealthy by drawing interest in a savings account. However, if you invest in the stock market, you are very much in line to get wealthy because the long-term return on the total stock market is somewhere in the 10 to 12% per year range. And that is an amount that will allow your money, well, however much you've got saved, to double every seven years. Okay? That is huge.
So setting that aside, I've heard the uh, the leftists talk about how it's so unfair that the world's resources are not distributed evenly amongst all the people and say, okay, well, if you chose to distribute the world's resources evenly among all the people of the world, if, if even if they would stay there, which they wouldn't, but if they would stay there, what you would have done is condemned humanity to squalor because it is the exactly the formation of capital and the investment of this surplus the surplus money into new technologies that are the thing that's going to pull our ass out of every fire at least until the last one it's what pulled us out of the everybody's going to starve to death because there's not going to be enough food it's uh you talking about the guy you know, that figured out how to pull nitrogen out of the air no. Well, indirectly. I'm talking about that years ago in the, I don't know, 1700s, 1800s, they predicted the world's going to run out of food in 50 years. We're not going to be able to feed the people. Yeah. Right? And there was and a, there was horrifically, a, there was a guy horrifically wrong. There was a guy in, uh, during world war one, actually, who figured out how to pull nitrogen out of the air. Let me look it up real quick. I'm sure that helped. But the point is, with uh, fertilizer, crop rotation, modern equipment, scientific farming, uh, we fed the amount of people he was talking about, and then some. We can feed way more people. So technology saved us. The, the research, development uh, saved us. So if, if global warming or climate change is a problem, guess what's going to save us? Technology. It's either that or you're going to have to murder 5 billion people. Um, which is on the table for some of them. But um, the reality is it's the, it's the investment of capital with the possibility of earning tremendous returns that is going to save the human race from whatever peril it comes across. If you take all that money and evenly distribute among all the people, nobody has any extra money. Nobody's going to invest in anything. And we're all going to be equally miserable. That is pretty much the kind of the poster child of collectivism. Equal misery for all. Hmm. And no hope. There's a whole lot to unpack in what you just said, but I'm going to start with um, the contention that freedom, uh, freedom being closely tied to capitalism. That is a very easy thing to say when you're on our side of history. But capitalism famously did slavery more than any other socioeconomic system. Oh, false. Everything has done slavery. And capitalism is doing it the most the, currently. No. the <laughs> Capitalism is doing the most of everything currently. Everybody's a capitalist now. Sure. That's, that's irrelevant. The, there have been slaves as long as there have been people. So... That and, and there are now. They've just changed the name. I don't know why they call it human trafficking, because to me, that's like just moving them from one place to another. But some of that human trafficking is slavery. And that is appalling. It's the worst thing. It is appalling, right? but our why do, but our great, why don't they call it slavery? Because it makes our great American corporations look bad. You remember that time Tucker Carlson wanted to bone a green M M&M? and M? 
I have no idea what you're talking about. So, Tucker Carlson, famously and tragically, uh, went on his little show and he told the world, uh, I'm upset that they made the green M&M less sexy. Oh, okay. That, that's that, an, the decision for, that's an interpretation of what he said, yes. Yes, but um, the... They androgenized the green M&M. Sure. So it's part of the modern leftist propaganda that there are no such things as men and women, and uh, nobody seems to be able to define what a woman is. Women don't need to be in heels all the time. Women aren't in heels all the time. Women work. Okay. Women wear sneakers. Women wear pants. Yeah. Putting a putting okay. a bow and a bunch of fake eyelashes on a cartoon character doesn't make it a woman. Anyway. Okay. Um, Tucker Carlson decided to go after Eminem's decision to make that uh, character design change instead of deciding to go after their cover-up of being involved in an enormous lawsuit regarding the use of slave labor in chocolate production. Okay. Not familiar with that one. Okay. Well, everybody, everybody listening, Dad, go look it up on your own. It's out there. Uh, chocolate, big, like, global chocolate industries, notoriously big fans of slave labor. Okay. But... So, but, yeah, I'm a big fan of freedom. Sure you are. Um, and that's a, that's, a, that's a really common theme with pro-capital propaganda, is capitalism and freedom go hand in hand. They are the best, and they love each other. They're both kissing, and they love. Um, well, as soon as you institute your authoritarian vision of socialism or communism... I'm going to lose a lot of my freedom. You so. have improperly identified what it is that I'm asking for. Okay. What are you asking for? A lot of companies already do what I'm talking about. Instead of being private equity owned companies that are just trying to make the most squeeze the most money out of whatever they do um, there are some companies that are worker owned meaning the people doing the work own the company and all the surplus value is distributed in parts to the workers that are making the money and to uh, the company and its effort to expand there are companies that are like that well, I'm glad they have the freedom to do that. We could have more of those companies, where instead of we the surplus, instead of the surplus, instead of the surplus value of whatever company being used to pay people to argue to the workers to ask to act specifically against their own self-interest, we can use that money to pay people appropriately and to expand the company at a level and at a rate that they decide. Well, that's what the owners of companies always do. No, it's not. The workers have they just, the workers no, have very little no, or no say. The owners of companies the the owners have say. The reason your workers in these companies have say is because they are the owners. Yes. 
But who, who should the owners of a company be? Should it be the people doing the work? Or should it just be some lazy, rich asshole who wants to hold <laughs> people's heads underwater for the most money no. that he can possibly make? You're talking about almost everyone in America who owns stock in companies. You do. I do. We do. And I, Are we lazy, rich assholes? I think... I think I have made a mistake by choosing to participate in the system this way. Okay, that is just um, uh, self-defeating. That is, if you're looking for martyrdom and to go down in a blaze of glory, that's the path. If you want to succeed and thrive and prosper, that's not the path. Yeah, to so succeed and prosper, this... to succeed and prosper in a capitalist society requires that I, among the haves, convince the have-nots to do as much possible work with giving them as little pay as I possibly can. Uh, no. The value of a company that I invest in depends on the success of whoever's running that company in convincing its workers to work for as little as possible. The workers are free agents. They have the freedom also to choose to work for that company. And that is why or to choose not to work for that And that is why company. it behooves the owners of companies and all the investors in all these different companies to preserve and maintain the condition of desperation so that people who are doing the entry level jobs, who are the workers in all of these companies, feel as though they have no other option. Okay. Well that's a dark vision. Um, and a little apocalyptic. Uh, this is why I'm saying that we need to decide to create a system where our whatever whatever system we have, we need our system to care about human life, even a little bit. And our current system does not. Well, it sounds to me like you should be working for a nonprofit. Personally, perhaps you know, I should. You. But the idea that you're going to turn upside down the goose that laid golden eggs and leads to the maximum amount of prosperity for the maximum amount of people and replace it with something that's going to make everyone equally miserable, that's just a bad idea. So these workers that you're talking about. If, if they've got something on the ball, if they can recognize when they like something and when they don't like something, and they can choose not to work at a place where they don't like it and try to work someplace where they do like it, that's what's required. And I think most people do that. Now, if you're borderline, you know, just a horrible worker, um, can't come to work on time, don't do a good job, whatever, you may struggle to find another job you may that may be the only game in town but we are way beyond the time when the company store was the you know the company the company store the company house the everything in a remote place that you could only access with a covered wagon that is not now okay people have choices you think we're not headed back to that in some ways you think that Amazon's not going to announce that they've got dedicated worker housing right next to their facilities that's good for the environment? The, that way if people don't think, have to commute? If they think it would be a public relations uh, positive, I guess they'll try to do it. 
and and that's there's a lot of uh, on the left there's a lot of people trying to do that they want to plan the 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 village you know where your work and your store is all within walking distance and all that stuff so on the one hand yeah that's appealing i don't have to own a car i can live more inexpensively uh and just shop right here and whatever now the the store there is going to charge you an arm and a leg because they're the only game in town and you don't have a car you can't go to another store um although i guess you could order online but um i think a worker owned i think a worker owned store like the one that you're describing doesn't charge you an arm and a leg they oh, they no. decide to charge a fair the, the, price no the workers get together and they say we want to get a bigger check at the end of the year that's short-sighted um, rei they're going to choke the life out of the communities that they're that's, built in which is exactly what walmart does right now it's exactly what okay. amazon does right now amazon can afford because it has its month, it's got its greedy little paws in all sorts of sectors. It can afford to charge nothing for whatever product of the competitor that they're trying to destroy. Okay, we've we've already agreed that there needs to be an antitrust investigation into Amazon, among others. The political um, elite is so deep in company and corporate po- like pockets that the the public has no way of convincing the government to do antitrust legislation. If only, if only it were it were that only that bad. It's worse. Most of our elected officials are paid off by China, so it's not even American companies that control American politicians. It's foreign governments that control American politicians. And absolutely, the people have felt this. They have felt their will be thwarted. That is why in 2016, the vast majority of voters on both sides voted for someone that was not part of the establishment. They, they lodged a protest that is still echoing around the world. So you're not wrong challenges about challenges to the political unrepresented challenges to the political establishment are great. They're great. Was Trump the right challenge? I would yes. say no. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, he's the one that won. The Democrats actually cheated to keep Sanders from from getting the nomination because they thought it was in their self-interest uh, on many levels to uh, prevent him twice from getting the nomination. The second time was even more blatant than the first time. And Bernie um, Sanders is more closely aligned with what left leftist Americans, not liberals, leftists believe. Yeah. Leftists and, in this country, moderate leftists, extreme leftists, the entire left half of the spectrum is accustomed to not having a voice in the, the public at all. Oh, they made a deal. They said, we're, we're going to sink Sanders... Uh, but Biden's going to give you everything you want. He's he's uh, he's the poster child now for not that he has nothing to do with it, but uh, the strings that are being pulled are whatever you know. They're they're uh, Bernie Sanders' dream. Hmm. So um, anyway, I wanted to the point I wanted is, to address also that your concept of what's left and what's right. You say that Democrats are extreme left or even left leaning at all. Leftists look at Democrats as if they are right center. Okay. As if they, you know, if they 
they are just capitalists. The Democrats are also capitalists. Yeah, they used to be. They still are. Eh, not so sure. Because capitalists only care about making money. Um, Good capitalists, no. quote-unquote. No. The capitalist system relies on... Say, okay, if you've got a cat and you, and you um, get upset if your cat eats a bird, then you're doomed to have an unhappy life because cats eat birds. If you've got a, uh, uh, an economic system and you get upset because people try to act in their own self-interest, you're doomed to have an unhappy life. People will act in their own perceived self-interest. So the question is, do you want to fight that on every level, all the time, constantly, to the point of having to have an authoritarian government that forces people to do what you think they should do, or are you going to harness it? And what we've done with capitalism is we have harnessed that. We've recognized cats eat birds, people act in their own perceived self-interest, and we've made it work for us. We have more wealth. We Our poor people are richer than poor people have ever been. The only reason we call them poor is because they have less than the other people now. They have more stuff. They have access to more things. So just... Go back, you know, a thousand years or something and think about what people had. They did not have all the modern conveniences. They did not have the art and the entertainment, the accessibility to information, uh, education, health care, everything. They did not have any of these things. Poor people today are wealthier than rich people of a thousand years ago. That's the, that's the way it is. Now, that doesn't make the poor people feel some of them, um, good about themselves because they, they're envious. They look at what somebody else has and they worry about that. So in absolute terms, it's working beautifully. In relative terms, the rich are richer than, you know, the difference between rich and poor is larger than it was before. That's what they see, the difference. So we can all be equal but we will all be equally miserable. We will all be equally poor. That is what is possible. We have a beautiful system that actually provides for all of our needs. If you work hard, if you save your money, if you make wise decisions, everyone can be wealthy. Everyone. Will you ever be treated unfairly? Yes. Life isn't fair. Will you ever occasionally be not treated unfairly? Yes, occasionally that will happen too. But uh, if you want to have hope and a chance for a brighter future, capitalism is the answer to that. So your way, what you're proposing, well, as far as your employee-owned companies, go for it. That's fine. But are, are you going to pass a law that says all companies have to be worker-owned? What about when a worker retires? What about when a, a worker quits? Do they still own? Um, and, and so, you know, some people will work for one company that's very successful. Some people will work for another company that goes bankrupt. Well, now they're screwed, right? Um, what, what we have now is wise, forward-thinking people save their money, invest it, and come out with something. Now, that's not a majority. 
There is easily a majority of people that do not make those wise decisions. They do not plan for the future. They run up huge debts, paying for things they want right now at the expense of the future. And they wind up at the end of their working lives broke as hell. But they have the freedom to make that decision too. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's a very it's a very easy thing to say that our poor people are richer than anybody else's poor people. Well, dead is dead. It's also dead. a very true thing to say. Dead is dead. The condition of homelessness is more likely to result in somebody's death than if they have minimal access, like just just basic access to shelter. Okay, hang on. The the condition of homelessness the vast majority of instances of homelessness are not caused by being poor. I'm going to need you to explain that one. Uh, the overwhelming majority of people that are homeless in the United States of America are there because of either addiction or mental illness or both. And what is it that you expect a person suffering with addiction or mental illness to do. Oh, I'm not I'm not saying that what we're doing is the right thing to do. I'm saying they're not there because they're poor. They're there because of these problems and we are spectacularly not addressing these problems. We used to have mental hospitals where people could be committed in their for their own best interests. That was undone in the 50s. You are not allowed to involuntarily, it's very complicated to get someone involuntarily committed to a mental hospital. Uh, and the civil libertarians have seen to it that it's virtually impossible to do. Um, and uh, as far as drug addiction goes... <laughs> we did that to people. Uh, in, a, in a lot of cases, we did that to people. People were prescribed... Well, we're... Hmm? Oh, Sure. That that's a, the new the latest wave of yes that was done to them, um, but uh, we give them needles. We sometimes we give them the drugs themselves. We give them a place where they can go do that. We allow them to live on the street, doing all their bodily functions, including shooting up on the streets of our cities, and um, you know whatever you tolerate, that's what you're going to have. So it's it's abysmal. It's awful. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. Every single person there needs to be uh, arrested for the, the crimes that they're committing out there. And then they need to be treated for whatever it is that they've got, whether it's the drug addiction or the mental illness or both. Uh, but we've taken that aspect of, uh, of libertarianism to a, a suicidal extreme. It's weird. Uh, it's, we're you just, seem to have uh, cut out a little bit. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, when you're helping you someone me? destroy themselves, you're uh... Hello. I can't think of Can it. Can you hear me? Yeah. You cut out for a minute there. Um, there was a there was a blink on the screen. Um, uh, damn it. I can't think of that word. When you're um, assisting someone to their own destruction. Um, anyway. Are you talking about euthanasia? No, 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 not not specifically. Just like where, where you're uh, enabling, we're enabling them right now. Mm. 
and rather than actually caring about the humans, uh, we are acting like that giving them a, a box, a cardboard box or a tent or some needles or some drugs or whatever um, is, is showing that you care and it's not, it's enabling. I think that. you're, I think you're partially at least referring to efforts of harm reduction. Yeah, I'm, I'm referring to the leftist model for how to deal with homelessness and addiction, and it is awful. I will say it that is, I am not an expert on what is most helpful to a homeless person or not, but I'm pretty sure that erecting a bunch of architecture to make it so that it is impossible for them to get comfortable in public spaces, or it is impossible to get comfortable in public spaces is not the way to do it. I'm pretty sure that throwing sure. people in jail and not offering them any additional help is not the way to do it. And neither one of those is what I just proposed. And what are you proposing? Those are re I'm proposing that people that are addi drug addicts on the street get drug treatment, and they are violating all kinds of laws out there. So they should be able to be forced placed into drug treatment centers. And the people that are mentally ill need to be involuntarily committed until they can be stabilized and or medicated to where they are no longer mentally ill. They need to be off the streets. It is not safe. They are obstructing people's residences, businesses, churches, schools. Uh, you have to run the gauntlet in some of these cities to get from point A to point B, including just school children trying to go into their school buildings. Mm. There, are, there are used needles laying everywhere and uh, if you accidentally stick yourself with one of those, that is a that's a problem. That has potentially yeah. deadly consequences. It is completely unacceptable, and we're not doing anybody any favors by enabling them with this harm reduction strategy that really just perpetuates the problem. Well, unfortunately, we're also not doing anybody any favors by allowing the drugs, the fentanyl, to keep pouring across the border because we're committed to having it completely open. I Okay. I was going to say, unfortunately, because we live in a system that doesn't give a fuck about people, whenever we, pr whenever we bring up the idea that we have a homelessness problem and that it needs to be dealt with, whoever's in charge inevitably decides that they need to do the cheapest solution possible. No. Yes. Not when the when the Democrats are in charge, they don't do the cheapest thing possible. A lot of the they times the, the Democrats are the ones that are erecting the that doesn't hmm? doesn't help anybody. They are housing homeless people. One of the things they've done is house them in hotel rooms. They've they've paid millions of dollars to to not address the problem at all. The problem with the homeless is not that they don't have a home. The problem is not that they're poor. The problem is that they're mentally ill and addicted to drugs or alcohol. And so, you know, until you decide to deal with one of those things, or both, um, you're doing nothing, no matter how much you spend. So the courts have uh, sided with the ACLU and said you can't involuntarily commit people. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to do whatever it takes to, uh, to help these people. That would be ideal. Yes, okay. I'm I'm there with you. And in fact, last night on Tucker Carlson, they had a gal on who was from San Francisco, and they've put up a billboard about fentanyl. Uh, her son is a fentanyl addict living on the streets of uh, San Francisco, and um, the left is doing its harm reduction, which is just 
kind of perpetuating the problem, and she's got a group of moms you that say, are trying to do something about you it. You say perpetuating the problem. I say keeping people alive while the rest of us are supposed to figure out what, how to help. No. They are, they, the, the people that are doing this are the ones that should be doing something to help. If they spent the same amount of money on the homeless that they already spent just doing it in something that could actually help, that would be a lot better. I don't think so. I think okay. I think the right looks at any any increased spending on a social program as a communist threat, a socialist threat. So they're eager, beyond eager, to watch the moment we try to start helping any statistics that come forth that demonstrate that it's not working. You know, if you if you send food to a place where people are starving, a lot of the time, whatever warlord, whatever the biggest bad guy is there is going to scoop up all the food and try to keep it from everybody else as a means of preserving power. And the moment mm-hmm. he does that, we say, oh, well, we tried to help him. We can't do anything. That's ridiculous. We spend billions of dollars every year foreign aid. We give money to almost every country on earth. And I'm not sure why. Corporations. But we do. Corporations hate that shit. They're like, why can't you just pay us exorbitant sums of money to solve all these problems? And then we'll do whatever we can (laughs) to keep the problem going long enough that we can just keep making money on it forever. Well, now you're describing the uh, contractors that uh, the armed forces rely on, and they are absolutely pushing for a hot war with Russia. So we agree there. It's one of capitalism's um, favorite little schemes. Private military contractors. It's not really about capitalism. It's about good government. You, you know, any, you can't blame the cat. Any company wants to make more money. Fine. It it does. Everybody knows that. Um, But it's when you make decisions based on wanting to give them money rather than based on what needs to be done that you have abrogated your responsibility as a government official. So right now, almost the entire establishment, both parties, is pushing for, you know, in the direction of at least... Uh, war with Russia. I don't, I don't understand it, um, but that's what they're doing. So, well, what we've learned from the first two world wars is that war is good for business. If you're the one supplying the guns to everybody fighting. Um, yeah. yeah. Now we're we're running so. up against the end of our time here, but on I I did want to address your cat analogy. I think it's less that human beings are like the cat in the story and that you know we're going to get mad at the cat when it eats a bird. I think we have developed a system where a person beats another person with a stick. And when it's that person's turn to finally beat somebody else with a stick and he hears everybody complain... I, I, hey, maybe I don't. I don't think we should be beating people with sticks anymore. They say, "Shut up, you whiny baby." I had to get beaten with a stick, and I'm fine. If you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps and possibly even let yourself be hit with two sticks at the same time, you could be like me. 
Um, not really following that one. No. No. If somebody, if somebody said to themselves, the things standing in my way, the the things standing in my way of me becoming a millionaire is mostly my need to enjoy my life. If I was working 24-7 and making whatever I make that whole time, I would come out way ahead of somebody who just works eight hours and comes home at the end of the day. If I can just teach myself, if I can make it so that I can endure that, if I can just break down all the parts of myself that enjoy life and just become somebody who gets joy and fulfillment from making money, I can own everybody else. That's a capitalist. Okay. Yeah. Well, my janitor that uh, worked and saved didn't work 24 hours a day, worked a regular shift. He just was thrifty and saved his money. And his purpose was to accumulate some wealth, generational wealth, that he could pass on to his children. He lives in a closet. He eats rice and beans. He doesn't participate in the economy. He doesn't... Yeah, he doesn't maybe. participate in commerce. To some if extent, if we ask people to yeah. live in such a way where they don't participate in commerce, then the the magic of the money that we have doesn't work. Well, the good news is the vast majority of people won't do it. If everybody did it, it probably wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But everybody does. So if everybody pulled themselves up by the bootstraps, for example, we'd have a collapsing economy. Yeah, maybe. But that's not how it works. No, instead we get you put out. Instead we we uh, we made a system that rewards the few sociopaths that are just obsessed with getting their way and obsessed with making money, and we've put them in charge of everybody who's barely struggling to just do work that they find fulfillment in doing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with you. Have you got a filter on right now or something? No, I've just got the sun coming in through the window. You look just like I used to look at the moment. Mm. Except angrier. <laughs> um, yeah, when you, uh, when, you, um, when you stop biting capitalist propaganda and actually take a look at how history turned out, um, you start to get mad. You start to go, oh... Every time they told me capitalism was the best and brightest, they were actively choosing not to tell me about all the atrocities that were committed in the name of capitalism. When we can talk about yeah. that in another episode or another few episodes. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Uh, when you when you have freedom, people have the freedom to make decisions, good ones, bad ones, or you know, whatever. And so some of those decisions are going to be bad ones. When you have free speech, you're going to have the freedom to speak. And it's not the, the popular speech that uh, needs protection of the First Amendment. It's the unpopular speech. You have the freedom to speak. You have the freedom to be wrong, in fact, in your speech. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of freedom. I think people should be free to uh, make their own decisions. And... If you make wise decisions in the system that we have, you can prosper and thrive. And anyone who tells you that you can't is, is not correct. People come here, first-generation immigrants come here, and they succeed and they thrive. And they, 
leave money to their children um, and their grandchildren, generational wealth, starting with nothing. That is amazing. And you don't realize how unusual and rare that is because that is not true everywhere. There's a reason why so many people want to come here and it's because of the freedom and the opportunity that exists. All you have to do is reach out and grab it. Under the, an authoritarian system, socialist, communist, whatever, um, that's all gone. It's just going to be what it is. You get what you get. And uh, that is not a place for human beings to live. That is, that is destructive of, of the human spirit. And that's what we've seen every time it's been tried. Hmm. It is, it is awful. Well, we've we've got a whole discussion, a whole separate discussion to have about whether socialism or communism have been tried in the past, and to what degrees they uh, follow even what I'm trying to tell you about. Okay, but for well, right now, this has been. Have you met John? He's my dad. I'm Matt, I'm in Chicago, and that that handsome-looking gentleman over there, who believes capitalism... Uh, still, what's up? Still John. Mm-hmm. And where are you recording from? Am I saying? I think it's an undisclosed location oh, okay. near St. Louis. Well, that's good enough for me. St. Okay. Louis, Greater Metro. I didn't, I didn't specify what part of Chicago I'm in. Okay, there but, you go. Uh,